Today's reading is from Job chapter 19, verses 23 to 27, and can be found on page 522 of the Church Bibles. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, shall we pray? Lord, open our hearts to hear your word. May we hear the message you have for us today. Amen. So that was a nice short passage, wasn't it? But if uh, any of you have got it open in front of you, I think it's page 522, was it, in the, in the Bible, if anyone did uh, want to have a look. If you had to pick one phrase from that passage, let's say you wanted a catchy title for a sermon, what, what phrase might you pick? Did any particular phrase stand out for anyone? in that passage, either from hearing it or having it in front of you. Anyone got a phrase that's stuck in their head or they can see on there? I know that my Redeemer liveth, yes, or I know that my Redeemer lives in, the, in this translation, yes. That's a good phrase, isn't it? It's a, a, a sort of phrase you expect to hear in church on a Sunday morning. I know that my Redeemer lives. And despite the fact that it might not be the kind of phrase you'd hear in everyday speech, if you're someone who comes to church regularly, it probably means something to you. So what does it mean? I looked up the word redeemer in the dictionary. Redeemer means to recover, or to redeem rather, means to recover or free by payment. To free oneself from a promise by fulfilment. To reclaim. To atone for. So if I said to you, I know that my Redeemer lives, who might you think I was talking about? Who is my Redeemer? Jesus? Yeah? There's tentative answers there. Jesus? Yes, that's always the right answer in church, isn't it? Jesus? Yes, absolutely. You can be confident in that one. So when I say my Redeemer lives, what might I be referring to? Jesus? Yeah? What about Jesus specifically? Resurrection. Excellent. Yes. So, I know that my Redeemer lives. Who here knows that their Redeemer lives? Good, excellent, fantastic. I see this preaching lark, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's basically the message, isn't it? That was the key phrase, I know that my Redeemer lives. Uh, we all know that our Redeemer lives. Uh, what more is there to say on that little short passage that we read? But you see, what's interesting is the context. Because if I say, I know that my Redeemer lives in church on a Sunday morning. That's uh, pretty much a simple affirmation of the Christian faith, really, isn't it? It's why we're all here. And if I tell you that it's a phrase that's written in the Bible, that probably doesn't surprise you either. But when you look more closely at the context, it's actually a more surprising and profound statement than you might think. The passage we heard was from Job. That's in the Old Testament. It was written before the time of Jesus. So this was not a statement written by someone who had seen or heard about the risen Christ. We don't know exactly when the book of Job was written, 
or who wrote it, but it's old. It could even be the oldest book in the Bible. It was written a long time before Jesus. So despite the very Christian-sounding phrase, it didn't come from a Christian tradition. It may not even have come from a Jewish tradition. The story may have been appropriated by God's people from another culture to tell a truth about who they knew God to be. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. Easy for me to say, but what a remarkable thing to have said hundreds of years before the word became flesh, before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, before God dwelt among us and preached the good news of the kingdom of heaven, before Jesus was crucified, died, and rose again, even before the prophets started to foretell some of those events. It is a remarkable statement of faith. And even more remarkable when you consider the circumstances of the person speaking. To understand that, we need to look at the book of Job as a whole. It's a book unlike any other in the Bible. It's grouped with the wisdom and poetry books of the Old Testament. But its style is very different. It addresses the very challenging question for people who believe in a just God of why people suffer. It's set in the time of the patriarchs, the founding figures of the Jewish faith, such as Abraham, and tells the story of Job, a wealthy and influential man with a large and devoted family. Most importantly, he is good. He's about as good and faithful to God as it is possible for anyone to be. But a series of terrible things happen to him. He loses his wealth, his land, his family, and his health. His days are full of pain and terrible suffering. And the majority of the book is a discussion between Job and three of his friends about Job's state and God's role in it. It was a common and strongly held belief at the time that, as God is good and just, when something bad happens to someone, it must be because they have sinned. This is the view that Job's friends have of Job's suffering. They urge him to confess and repent. Job angrily protests his innocence. His torment is unbearable. He wants only to die. He is angry at his friends for their lack of sympathy. And he is angry at God. How can God allow him to suffer like this? If God is just, why is Job being punished when he has done nothing wrong? These are difficult questions. They're ones many of us will struggle with at some point in our lives. But it is in the midst of all this questioning, all this suffering and pain and anger, that Job says these words, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him, with my own eyes. I am not another. Even in his deepest, darkest despair, there is still hope. A belief in the coming of the kingdom of God, the resurrection of the body, and of a God who gives us life, who will stand among us on the earth, and who will make all things right. These are all revealed in this passage. 
During times of hardship and suffering, many people have found the book of Job to be a comfort. The common and often very attractive belief that we get what we deserve and that we are all ultimately to blame for our own individual suffering is totally refuted in Job. God's love for Job and appreciation of Job's goodness are never in doubt. The book does not provide answers to our questions about why bad things happen to good people, but it does give us hope. Job is not perfect. In the injustice of his condition, in his pain and confusion, he is understandably angry. He understandably has doubts. But inspiringly, he does not falter from trying to do what is right. He does not stop seeking God. And in the end, Job finds comfort, not in having his questions answered, but simply in knowing the presence of God. I said earlier that it was easy for me to stand here on a Sunday morning and say that I know that my Redeemer lives. But how much harder is it to say that in times of hardship and suffering? When we are afflicted by illness or injury or grief or loss, loneliness or isolation, physical or emotional pain, it can be hard to see a just and righteous God at work in our world. But we know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The God who loves us this much will not abandon us. And so, in the darkest times, let your hearts be filled with hope, for we know that our Redeemer lives. Amen.